Well, we've had a great time of worship. I appreciate Dr. Hardage and wife Kathleen. Uh, they were here for the first service and then slipped out uh, because he actually um, is kind of in charge uh, of this thing that's going on down in Galveston. And so he and his wife left uh, to get prepared for that this afternoon. And, and it's grateful uh, to be reminded uh, of how we're a part uh, of a greater thing, uh, that the gospel uh, is, is a worldwide movement, uh, not just here in our little community, but, but around the world, and it's great to partner with those churches. Well, I want to ask you a question. As we think about prayer again today, we're going to be in the model prayer again today, the Lord's Prayer, Disciples' Prayer. Uh, it's called by many things. Uh, but I want to ask you to think back, uh, if, if, as you're turning to Luke 11, uh, think about what you ate for dinner last Monday night. Uh, I can tell by the groans and moans, you would have a tough time remembering that. Um, I remember, uh, mostly because I knew I was doing this sermon, so I made sure I remembered. I had a hot dog, actually a hot dog and a half, uh, nutritious meal that that was, uh, because our family was kind of going in a bunch of different directions, and so I had a hot dog. Now, uh, I want you to think about what you will have for dinner on December 2nd. It's a Thursday. Have you mapped that out yet? Have you, have you got that planned? If you do have it planned, uh, we'd like to see you after uh, for a time of prayer. And then you can help us get our lives organized uh, so that we can do that. So we're going to pray for you and then you're going to help us. Uh, most of us don't even think, we're, we're not even past uh, lunch today, uh, much less, you know, December 2nd. We're, we're way, uh, we, we don't think like that. But it's interesting to me that though we may not plan our meals that way, uh, sometimes that's how we want our lives. Uh, we want our lives planned out. We want to know exactly which direction we're going. We want to know every step of the way. We want God and others to reveal the exact plan. Uh, where we're going to go to school once we graduate from high school, or what job we're going to get when we finish school, uh, where we're going to live. Are we going to get married? If so, who's that going to be? How many children will we have? Will I make enough money to provide for those children? Will I make enough money to be able to retire at a certain age? And when I actually do retire, will I have that planned well enough out? Because I'm going to live for, according to these, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30, 50 years later uh, from when I retire. So am I going to have enough? We want everything in our lives sort of planned, like the big things. But most of us don't know what we're going to have for dinner tonight. I know what you had, most of you had last Sunday night. You could, if I asked that, you would have known because many of you were here and we had turkey and ham and sweet potatoes and corn and rolls and pumpkin pie. And it was a ton of fun. It was great to see the gym filled uh, with everyone again. But, but somehow we want our lives sort of mapped for us. And, and as we look at prayer today, as we think about prayer today, as we've looked at the last couple of weeks and we've talked about hallowed be your name, this sort of holy name of God, set apart, different from us. And, and we've talked about the kingdom of God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That, that somehow we want the perfection and the purity and the, the harmony and the peace that exists 
in God's heavenly kingdom, we're asking for that to happen here. That those are giant things. That those are big kind of ideas. God's holiness and splendor and majesty and his great eternal kingdom. And as you think about those two things, I want us to look again at 11, Luke 11, 2, 3, and 4, and see what comes next in that prayer. After these two giant subjects, look at Luke 11, verse 2. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Do you think about that prayer? Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us our daily bread. It doesn't quite compute to me as just sort of a run-of-the-mill guy. Like Jesus is praying to his Father about these giant subjects of holiness, majesty, sovereignty, kingdom ideas that will reign forever. And in the very next sentence, it's give us our day, give us this day our daily bread. Now my guess is most of you in here today you weren't concerned about what you had or didn't have for breakfast. You're not concerned about what you're going to have for lunch. It's not going to be if you have lunch. It's going to be what will we have for lunch. And dinner tonight will be the same. And breakfast, lunch, and dinner tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. Most of us are not concerned about if we're going to have daily bread. Or tortilla chips if I had a preference. But, but what is interesting to me is how Jesus in this prayer takes these two giant subjects and he follows it with what we might consider a pretty mundane and basic concept of food. But food is necessary for life. It's necessary. We have to eat. But it's kind of a mundane topic. Some of you are, are foodies. You love food. I, I love food. I, I, I love to eat. I, I used to eat a lot. Um, and people would always tell me, it's going to catch up to you. Well, it has. You just may not notice it, but I do. Six foot five helps disguise some of that. But some of you love all kinds of foods. You love meats and vegetables. You love fruit. Uh, you love ethnic foods. You're pretty adventurous when it comes to eating. You'll kind of try anything. Uh, I made the mistake one time when I was uh, in Asia to allow the person I was with, who, who was uh, a national there, uh, allow him to order for me. I got this crazy hot, spicy cow intestine noodle soup. Mmm. Some of you are pretty simple. You're, you're meat and potato kind of people. Or maybe just the potato, French fried potatoes. That, that's your daily bread. And, and, and yet this subject here that, that we, I think, sometimes take for granted is really the, the 
kind of at the center of what we know as the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer. That, that we would consider, give us each day our daily bread. That we would pause and, and, and ponder that and, and think about uh, the power of, of God's provision in our life every day. And because I'm usually not worried about food and where it will come from or if it'll come. I, I want to pause and spend a little more time perhaps thinking about this. Because that word daily uh, in the scripture is a unique word. It's not used very much in scripture. And, and scholars actually debate over if it's the word actually today, current day, or give us today our daily bread right now, this moment, or more of a, God, I've counted on your provision today and I've trusted in your provision today. And so tomorrow, I'm gonna trust in your provision. So thank you for today. I'm counting on you for tomorrow as well. But it's not next week, next month, next year. It's not harvest time. Uh, in Jewish tradition, they have a, a prayer for the, an annual harvest. They would pray for the whole year's food. This isn't even that. It's today. Maybe tomorrow. That, that we would have enough supply for today. And that we would be grateful for what you've provided for us today. Now, I... I'm not sure when you go to the grocery store, if you do, that you're walking along the deli counter or back in the milk section or the bread aisle, you're not stopping and pausing as you go down to pick up the wheat bread because you're all healthy. Thank you, Lord, for our daily bread. I'm not. I went to the store on Friday, saw one of our church members there. Uh, just don't do anything nefarious at the store because you're going to see people every time I go. So I just don't do anything bad at the store. It's the one place I'm good all the time. But, but I walked back to the turkey aisle. Uh, Brandy was at the Nutcracker Market with some other folks, and I text her because I was angry. Can you believe turkey is up $2 a pound? I was mad. I wasn't very thankful. I'm preaching this sermon. It was already ready. And I'm like, what am I doing? But I was mad that, that turkey is up to us. Not thankful that I can afford deli turkey. That's the challenge, isn't it? That I didn't have to go to the processed side. Not the problem that I couldn't even get turkey. I just was going to have to have bread and Vienna sausages. The worst, right? <laughs> but, but we're usually not thinking, Lord, Lord, I'm, I'm grateful for the, the packaged bread. Lord, I, I'm grateful that, that I can afford two gallons of milk at one time. I'm grateful that, though I don't like it, it's okay for me to spend $12 a pound instead of $10 a pound for sliced turkey. Because we've been blessed, blessed abundantly. 
And one of my favorite movies when the boys were growing up was Over the Hedge. And Bruce Willis's character, as he's describing to the other forest animals how humans live, he says this, we eat to live, they live to eat. And that's true. It's true. We have been blessed abundantly. We have experienced the provision of God every single day. And when you and I think about give us each day our daily bread, it's not simply God is good, God is great, let us thank him for this plate. Or the one time that I got quote unquote in trouble um, when I was involved in campus ministry um, in college that Dr. Hardage mentioned earlier, uh, I was to say the opening prayer for the meal for a retreat at our Baptist student ministry retreat. And I said, so eloquently and theologically sound, bless this bunch that's about to munch. Amen. (laughs) The assistant director who was very, what's the gracious word to say? (laughs) Kind and wonderful, but she was pretty particular. She gave me the death stare. Everybody had a good meal. But it's more than that. It's more than just bowing for 10 seconds over that big plate of Mexican food, saying, Lord, let it bless, be a blessing to the nourishment of our body. Are you kidding me? Lord, can I still be a blessing to others after I eat this? That's what our prayer should be. It's more than that. It's recognizing every moment that God has provided us in amazing, wonderful ways. And that he sustained us in the best and the worst. He sustained us. And, and if, if you don't recognize that, I, I want you to just get a picture of what the rest of our world is like. If you're here today, whether in person or online, and your family has a household income of $75,000, your household You're wealthier than 91% of the world. 91%. You're in the top 9% of world wealth. If you have $5,000 in assets, like you drive a car that's worth $5,000, and that's all you had, you're better off than half of the world's population. We are blessed beyond measure. And God has answered this prayer for us in our community, in our region, and in our state in many ways abundantly. And not all of us are in great, wonderful position. I know that. But we've been blessed beyond measure and we need to recognize God's blessing each and every day. And not just that, but may our abundance, the abundance that you and I have, may it be a blessing to others. One of the greatest travesties of life is that we would just continue to fill our plate full of stuff and never bless others. That's the real tragedy, is that we would not take the blessing that we have, the provision that we have, and seek to bless others. That's what I hope we do. And I'm grateful 
for all of you because time and time again, uh, you demonstrate that great blessing. Our Thanksgiver's offering is that. The shoe boxes that we do, I'm sure we'll get 70 turkeys uh, after this week. You, you give. And when we call on you to, you rise to the occasion. But part of what I'd love to see us do is that each and every day, that as we express gratitude to our Heavenly Father for the blessing and the provision that he's given to us, that I would then every day be a blessing to others. And whatever that means. Sometimes that's with money and food and those kinds of things. Other times it's just giving my life away for them. That they're empty and hurting. They're struggling. They're in a dark season. They're dry and weary. They're thirsty. And I'm going to bless them by bringing joy and comfort and encouragement, hope to them. Because this prayer is not a prayer in isolation. It's not a singular First-person singular kind of prayer. If you look at it again, it says, Give us each day our daily bread. It's not give me my daily bread. It's give us our, all the family of God. We're, we're in this together as a community of faith that, that our requests, our prayers to God are made within a community of faith. And so when you and I pray, we do so as a part of a greater community of faith. And so I can lock arms with the people around me in this room, those that sat in the chair before you, those at New Hope and Baybrook Baptist and Bay Area and First Pearland and Heritage Park and the Harbor and Hope Lutheran, the Friends Church. We lock arms with those folks as a community of faith and say, Lord, may we, as a people of faith, celebrate your goodness to us. May we count on your provision and may we declare our gratitude because you have provided. And when we have a need as a family of faith, we're going to all come together. And we're going to be a blessing. And so your conversations with God about your own requests and about the things in your life that need, they come in context with others. And so our prayers shouldn't be those selfish kind of prayers about I, me, and my. No. It should be about the glory of God and the needs that we share with our brothers and sisters. Not just locally, but the folks that we know of uh, around the world. The people that we care about, the people that we know about, and the people we don't know. Those that are in our community that are in need and don't have housing or food those in our greater metropolitan area that are struggling, those in our state, in our nation, around the world, that we have a heart for them because we've been blessed abundantly. So our prayers don't happen in isolation. They happen within a community of faith. And we call on the one, the one named Jesus, who said about himself, I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. I, I am the one who can provide all things. And that wasn't, that wasn't a, a physical statement as, a, as, it much it, as much as it was a spiritual statement. 
That if you're here today and you think, yep, I've got turkey, I've got food, I can go to McDonald's or Chick-fil-A or, you know, we can eat whatever we want and it's not a big deal, God, thank you. But you're, you're physically sustained, but spiritually you're dry and thirsty and empty and starving. Let me encourage you. Let, let me call on you to go to Jesus. He is the one who can fill you up. He is the one who will quench that thirst with living water. He is the one who will take you out of the dry and weary place and put you in a place of peace and rest and sustenance. But you have to call on him, to trust in him, to place your faith in him and him alone. Because he is our nourishment when life is dry and weary and unfulfilling. And so if today you're here and life is dry and weary and unfulfilling, you, you, you've done everything you can to try to sustain it yourself, to try to provide for your spiritual nourishment, not, not your breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but no, your life, your soul. And you just can't do it. Well, the good news is none of us can. We can't sustain ourselves. It is impossible. We are not designed that way because we are fallen. We're sinners. We have abandoned the things of God, and that's why we're dry and weary. And it's only Jesus himself who can fill us. That's why he came, to be the bread of life, to, to fill us. As he said to the woman at the well, who, who has made a mess of her life, and he asked her for a drink of water, and she said, you don't even have anything. He goes, well, if you knew the water I had, living water, lasts forever, nourishes forever. If you knew me, the bread of life, you wouldn't be dry. You wouldn't have those feelings of abandonment. You wouldn't worry about your spiritual health and hunger because you'd be filled, filled to overflowing. And so today, if you're here and you're dry and you're weary, you're hopeless, you're discouraged, I want to invite you to come to the bread of life, to Jesus. To say by faith, Lord, I've tried to feed myself. I've tried to fill my life with a bunch of stuff. I've tried to fill my plate, my spiritual plate, my soul plate, and it's just been empty. It tastes bad and it doesn't work. And I'm dry, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, and I need to be filled. And I know you and you alone are the only one who can do it. And so today, I put my effort aside and I place my faith in you. And he will answer that prayer. And he will welcome you into his kingdom. He will welcome you into his family. He will welcome you to his table that's never dry, that's never empty. A table full of life, the abundant life 
and the eternal life. And so we close today, I want to encourage you to thank God for the abundant blessing you have. All of us are blessed beyond measure and have been provided for in ways that we don't even think about. And that if you are here today, whether in person or online, and you're dry and weary and and you've failed miserably over and over again at trying to fill your life with your own stuff, let me invite you to come to Jesus. Jesus.